too much horror business driving late at night psycho 78 12 o'clock don't be late i said all this horror business greetings and salutations my name is justin lore and i'm liam o'donnell and you are listening to episode 58 of horror business horror business we are joined today by a very special guest, one Izzy Lee of Nihil Nocturne, Noctum, no, Noctum. Noctum Films. <laughs> That's Latin. I know Latin. Well, yeah, you do kind of know Latin a little bit. That means um, that that means Nihil is nothing. Gandalf's sword. No, oh, stop. It. No, I don't. I don't. Stop I don't know. it. I think it's nothing, right? Yes, Am I right? It means nothing. And uh, Noctum means night. Correct. See, I know Latin. It's also Gandalf's sword. It's I don't know. No. Is that That's, true? Come no, on. I don't You're know. Terrible. Yeah. No. So, Izzy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this episode has been a while in the making. We've wanted to have you on for a minute now. So, um, yeah. Again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Oh, thanks for yeah, having me. I, I know right now it's a busy time. Izzy has a couple of movies. She's going to tell us about them a little bit later. Uh, but you're hitting up a lot of festivals. I, I think you did. You just get back from a festival? Uh, a couple, actually. Yeah. Yeah, where were you, where were you just? So I played uh, the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival with My Monster, which is on its way to finishing up its run. Um, that actually also plays Vancouver Badass Film Festival this weekend, and at the time of recording, it's the last couple days of March. Um, and we just had the world premiere of uh, The Obliteration of the Chickens, which is uh, <laughs> a very strange little short film that uh, played at the Boston Underground Film Festival with Assassinat this past weekend in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know what that is, but it sounds awesome, and uh, I would like to know more about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been described as a bleak comedy, which I'm going to steal. Uh, it is three minutes of, of nihilistic existential dread and, and some laughs. Okay, and, I like um, that. It is basically a <clears throat> Warner Herzog, Warner Herzog type narrator um, over a hundred percent stock footage and effects, and um, it is narrated by my friend, the author Bracken McLeod, who uh, has written some really great books, like Stranded and Come to Dust and Mountain Home, and uh, a number of short stories. And he's also local here to Massachusetts. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's more of an experience than a uh, solid traditional narrative film. It's the weirdest thing I've ever uh, done. I'm so excited about that. That makes me very happy. <laughs> um, I've, I've, uh, I've known Izzy for a little bit. We actually met at the precursor to Cinepocalypse, yes. Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. And uh, what was the movie that you had there? Um, that, I believe, was Insmith. It was Ooh. and I bring that up. I, I now I remember. I made a note to bring it up because my man Justin here. As soon as you said the title, is like that's that's right up his alley. Um, what can you tell us a little bit about that film and and if people can still find it? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if it's still on Shutter or not. Um, it's basically a gender flipped sort of not version of The Shadow Over Innsmouth by Lovecraft. And and what I mean by that is that I, I wrote something to kind of kick him in his grave a little bit because um, he was misogynist 
and very yep. squirmy about women and, and, you know, people of other races and colors and things like that. And it's, um, it's, it's a very strange little tale wherein I have Detective Olmstead uh, investigating some very strange and horrific uh, murders in, in Arkham and Innsmouth. And um, she, she runs afoul of uh, Miss Marsh, who, uh, who runs the town instead of her, her father, Obed Marsh. So, uh, yeah, so I have the women in charge. And um, there's uh, some, some very squishy things going on in a bathtub. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit infamous. It's, uh, it's an experience. <laughs> I, I will watch that movie solely because somewhere in some nether realm hp lovecraft is like oh a woman Gah. that's why i made Any, it. anything that makes him anything that could possibly make make him uncomfortable i'm like i'm there it doesn't matter <laughs> how bad it is i i i will like cool take my money i'll watch it fuck lovecraft <laughs> your 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 love hate relationship with lovecraft is like one of my favorite things in the world oh yeah because it's at least like once a week i have to go on like hard twitter and be like no 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 no, he, he was he was racist. No, yeah. no, just he was racist. Period. Oh, you're replying some more. Okay, I can I can say he's racist again if you want. <laughs> Let's restate the obvious here. Yeah. Uh, how, well, how many times did they go and say, "Oh, he was a man of his time"? That's, too many that's, times. That's, that's the general excuse for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand, but we're not going to get into this. But no. I will just say, simply say to people, in case you're having the thought, "Well, there's so and so was a man of their time," that to me in most times is an insult like that's yeah. actually you're saying the worst possible thing about that person probably <laughs> yeah it's not actually indicative and there were people who were not that it's not like he was in some sort of bubble where you know no one knew it was wrong it was new england in the fucking 1920s this isn't like <laughs> antebellum south like, god damn it even if it were, Justin. Even <sighs> if it were. Okay, uh, so we're we're so excited to have you on. We want to take a moment before we jump into the episode to do a couple things. One, we want to thank everyone who makes this show pops possible by supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon subscribers. We love you. We love you so much. I can tell y'all, Patreon subscribers, that right now the Wine and Cheese podcast is doing something unprecedented. Which is? They are recording Patreon-exclusive content. Satan is handing out ice skates in hell right now because we are finally getting exclusive Patreon material. <laughs> this is something we've been promising for too long. Forever. <laughs> and it's finally going to happen. And I hope that their good shining example will force us slackers to record hey man, a little extra. I'm saying I will get me a sheet of, of, of fucking paper. I will write it in blood. I will do an end game round table with the Cinepunks crew for, for, for our Cinepunk or for our yeah, Patreon. We should do that. Huh? We should. Then I, but that kind of commits me to actually seeing it right away. And I tend to be one of the people that waits a little bit. The crowds and stuff. Whatever. I'm seeing an opening night and the night the day after. It's fine. Oh, anyway, if that interests you, if you're like, oh, cool, Patreon, I want to hear these nerds talk about Endgame and, and stupid movies, you can head on over to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks and you can just fucking throw some money our way if you want to if you don't that's fine i get it we we have membership levels as low as a dollar a month it's really just a way for people to help us cover costs if for some magical reason we explode and we have all this extra money that would be great because then we can start paying our writers and paying yeah. our podcasters that would be unbelievable our maximum loans are, the, the maximum amount you can give is my grad school student loans so <laughs> that, that would be wonderful as well 
I'm just going to go ahead and say that's not going to happen. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Are they the, the premier screen printing company of the Lehigh Valley? That's so weird. That's exactly what they that's are. That's really weird. I was just thinking that I need a tall tee all over print for my Udo Kier fan club, Udo Wears My Car. <laughs> could, I, could I get that done there? I wouldn't want you to, but yes, you could. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're looking to have basically anything screen printed and you want to work with folks who are somehow both professional and personable. Yes. And willing to work with you. Like, let's say you have a t-shirt project mm-hmm. called Cut Rough. <laughs> I've heard of that. I mean, I... Uh, I, I, that's a good idea. I haven't heard of it. <laughs> and let's say you were supposed to make a hanging rock picnic shirt, no mm. relation to the movie, and maybe you sent it three weeks late to them. They're going to get it done for you. <laughs> I screwed that up. I'm sorry. Yes. So you can go on their website, xlvacx.com, and you could look at their list of clients. Um, they do a lot of professional wrestlers, so that tells you the kind of company they keep. <laughs> I implore you. Of all things to do in this world, of all the choices to make, of all the paths to walk, don't let yourself be lulled into believing that those X's in that email, that that domain address, mean that Chris rejected Straight Edge. Because he is many things. Straight Edge is not one of them. He's a poser, if anything. He is not Straight Edge. So, if you want quality screen printing <laughs> done by a poser and a couple personable people, you can go to www.xlvacx.com. One more time, that's www.xlvacx.com. Don't go to lvace.com, because that's the Las Vegas Athletics Commission, and Lord knows what you'll find on that website. Who knows? Could be anything. Could be anything. So www.xlvacx.com. Chris Reject can go to hell. <laughs> I have to thank uh, you, Izzy, for sitting through all that. That's so much, <laughs> and there's like inside jokes. It's like a whole thing. I, I, I apologize. That also, probably much. our shortest, the shortest one we've ever done for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't go on and on only because you're here. If yeah. you weren't here with us, it, it goes even, it's so embarrassing. It's out of control. Hey, Justin, <laughs> do you have a question for us? I have a question. Well, should we, should we, should we let Izzy, as our guest of honor, should we let, let them go first? Well, Izzy might want to go last. Izzy, would you like to go first or last? I would like to hear this question. Okay. The question I have that I, I carry with me like a chain around my neck when I'm not recording with Liam, for both of you, have you done anything horror-related recently? Oh my gosh, horror? I got some ideas. Horror-related, yeah. yes. Or uh, vaguely horror, fantastic, sci-fi. Yeah, we, we, sometimes we have we to bend the rules. rules sometimes are meant to we be have to fudge it because we haven't done anything horror-related. Yeah, I'm always doing something horror-related. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, yeah, so, you know, just played the Boston Sci-Fi Fest, just played Buff, uh, I'm playing Chattanooga next month, um, but I'm working on a horror script right now, I'm still working out the, uh, the exact kinks there and plot and rules of the story, um, but I've also been writing, uh, short horror fiction, which, uh, I've been lucky enough to get published a couple times in various anthologies, and I've got a, another one coming up in August that will be out in a book called uh, Tales from the Crust, an anthology of pizza horror. And believe it or not, it's serious horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Could, Delicious. I, 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 I can dig that. Yeah. When, I was a, when I was a kid, I had a recurring nightmare that everyone in my town was walking into the uh, mouth of a giant pizza. 
And I was the only person who had figured out that walking into this pizza mouth was a bad idea. So I was trying to get everyone not to go into the pizza mouth, but they were all being eaten by the pizza. Yeah. I had this nightmare many, many times. Yeah, and then you became a minister. <laughs> Stop it. Well, it was a hell so mouth. You... That sounds like a hell mouth to me. Yeah. Yeah. Liam is a priest of the false god of pizza. <laughs> Uh, so you just got back from a few fests. Was there anything that you managed to catch that you feel like people should know about? Uh, yeah, I guess you could also say if there's bad stuff too, but we'd rather hear the good stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I just saw the Hail Satan doc, which will be out uh, a couple weeks from Ooh. Magnolia. It's really fantastic. Um, it's very smart, really funny. It's empowering, and uh, if if you like empathy and and rights for women children and any you know marginalized uh, member of society then um you should watch it because it's really great and it's enlightening and these these you know the Santa temple they're doing great things um so that was great and then also there is a, a film called tone deaf by ricky bates who's done you know trash fire and excision and suburban gothic and uh sure 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 yeah it's really fun um it basically he's got robert patrick in a very 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 angry old man role that hates mil- so robert hates so millennials. patrick yeah but he hates millennials and it's super funny uh the way it plays out uh him against this this main actress i think her name is amanda cruz off the top of my head but i don't know um it's just it's ridiculous and hilarious and uh had a really good time with it that's really great. I'm pretty excited about that. And I mean, you know, millennials, who needs them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to say we have a number of listeners who are specifically in the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. And if you are, that Hail Satan doc is playing at the uh, Cinadelphia Film Fest at Filmoca. So That's awesome, uh, yeah. I don't think it's sold out. So if you want to go see that, I would recommend it. Um, <clears throat> I think that's worth checking out. It's a really good time, uh, yeah. Justin, have you done anything horror-related? Uh, not much. Um, I went and saw, can we talk about Captive State on this episode? Is that horror? I think Captive State is more sci-fi, but I think we've already expanded the definition. Of it's worth noting. We saw it. It was cool. There, I think it was, horror, go ahead. Are there horror elements in it? Cause I, I've only seen the trailer and it just didn't really pick my interest. Mm, there's not really horror elements. And, um, I'll be honest. The first, I'll say the first act. The first act was kind of slow, but once it found its stride, I think it was a, like a really satisfying, like, uh, would you call it a hard sci-fi movie? Yeah, I, I mean, I think what it's really trying to be is just more of like an action thriller. I yeah. think the aliens, the only real horror element is that, and this could be a criticism, which is like the trend right now with movies with aliens is the aliens have to be like actual monsters yeah and it it, it turns out that the horrifying aspect of the aliens is a put-on that it's actually a performance like they are they're weak and they're like delicate but when you first see them they're shot in a way that's clearly meant to be terrifying and and when i first saw that it actually bummed me out because i think that whole trope of like the aliens that are coming to conquer us are also physically horrifying yeah i'm always kind of like they don't have to be monsters to be intimidating. Yeah. Like just the fact that they travel across space and have means they got something ships. over yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, the idea that like they travel through space and they're giant monsters. Like sometimes that works, but sometimes it's it's weird. It's it's a weird thing. I think the scariest thing about this movie for me was the sort of um, boot licking 
Vici style human. You know how like all the cops right. were like way too eager to turn people in. Right. You know, well, like, and there, there's the way if anyone's familiar with images from the height of the troubles in Northern Ireland, the way that the cops present themselves looks very much of that time period. Yeah, they have like baklavas on and <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah. It, it, and I mean, considering it's a movie in which our heroes are terrorists, one <laughs> could argue that uh, not just specifically the troubles, but those sorts of political situations where. Uh, people feel the need to do awful things is sort of what the movie's a meditation on. My only criticism of that is it never forces a moral question. It's yeah. more it's more obsessed with this neat idea it has that I won't say what it is because I don't want to ruin it for the people who want to see it, but it's so into that idea, it never stops to ask itself, like, are we doing the right thing? Yeah, at no point does anyone in the movie who dies, like, I just feel like there's no, like, oh, well, that sucks, but, like, that's the price of the revolution. Like I'm, all, I'm, I'm like, eh, fuck all those people, <laughs> fuck everyone that that you know. Like I, I just, I don't know. It didn't feel like there was any moral weight to the story, or not, not moral weight. It didn't feel like there was any sort of like uh, moral compromise on 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 only quote unquote heroes. Part. Right. They could just do anything yeah. because it's alien, so it doesn't matter. Even though they end up hurting a lot of people. Which I still felt nothing for but because they're, but they're aliens, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're working with the aliens, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, I, again, I don't mind if it ends up there, but they, it never stops to really ask the question. Exactly, which yeah. Been more interesting. That being said, parts of it are really tense and really well done. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, I think the second and third act, it's 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 a good like caper movie almost. Like there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of intrigue, um, there's a lot of suspense. Uh, it was just a fun movie to watch, and uh, I think it wraps up in a very satisfying way. Like the ending of that movie, I was like, I felt good about that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I have two things. One. Uh, oh, also, I, I have ahead. another thing, Liam. Yes, I watched half of the first season of Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, now is that horror related? Yes. Oh, and how is it? Uh, at times, I feel like it pushes the envelope for pushing the envelope's sake. Like I feel like a lot of things were at times where I was like. They didn't need to do that. Like there was one scene. There's one one. It's just to 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 for to give you a brief rundown of it. It's a series of like animated short films between like ten and twenty minutes long, and um, it's like different varying styles of animations. Like some are classic like anime styles. Other ones are like the hyper realistic sort of Final Fantasy. Um, what is it, the Phantom Spirits animation? I've never seen. I don't know. But it, yeah, it's 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 like that bare. It's like that really high end like video game style animation where you're like, sure. this, is this actual people? Um, to give you an idea, of what I mean when I say like they're pushing the envelope for envelope's sake. Like, there's one vignette that's about this these archaeologists who are like in Romania and they uncover Dracula's tomb, and it's like underground and it's like them and these mercenaries. And when I say Dracula's tomb, I don't mean like they open the tomb and like Bela Lugosi comes out and is like, uh, the children of the... I mean, it's like an actual fucking monster. Like an inhuman, like, bat hell beast from the fucking cover of Bat Out of Hell. It's like attacking these people. And they're like running through these caves and they find out that the only thing that can stop this thing is it's terrified of cats. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so it's like these like big burly like Irish mercenaries like wielding cats like, get back, get back, you bastards, get back. So it's like uh, Captain Marvel? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, yeah, it's the the flirking, yeah. Um but 
so that's fun. But there's one scene where they're like, we like got no more cats, and they look up and on like the 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 pillar, like the support pillar of the mine, there's just two cats fucking. Because the guy's like, where are those fucking cats at? <laughs> and his his partner's like, up there, mate. And he's like, not those fucking cats. And he's like, yeah, I like a little pussy right now. And I'm like, do we really like? This is like, like this was the type of thing I was like, oh, like my niece would like this because it's like scary, but it's like not too scary. And it's sort of funny that this thing's terrified of cats. But then that happened. I was like, well, now I can't, I'm not going to fucking show my nine-year-old niece this where these guys are joking about sex. And there's a few other things that they just, you know, it was like, okay, I get it. Like it's hyper-realistic. So we could show boobs. Okay, cool. Which I'm not opposed to, but a lot of times it felt like they were just doing that because they felt that they could and not because it was really adding anything to the, to the story. But overall, there I, the last segment I watched last night um, was a segment, I believe it's called Beyond the Aquila Rift, and it's sort of like an Event Horizon alien slash uh, like Firefly type story, and I've been thinking about it all day. Like I, The ending has been like stuck in my head all day, That's cool. and I've been like haunted by it. So I can I can I can definitely recommend it. There's there's one and it, it, you know it varies and it varies from like the silly like there's one vignette about um, these people who these scientists develop a strain of yogurt that becomes self-aware. Oh yeah, and in like an great. hour like delivers an ultimatum to like the United to the president is like I can balance the budget in like an hour, so you should just give me control. And the president's like, oh okay, so yogurt now runs the world. And it's this like six minute vignette about this guy like. I don't know how we got here as a species where we're letting fucking sentient yogurt run things, but it's not as bad as it used to be. It's like silly <laughs> things like that. And then it then it runs the gamut up to like these like weird neo-noir sort of like dark city vignettes about sure. like, you know, time loops and murder and shit like that. So I, I can recommend it. It's it's definitely good. Um, I'm excited to just finish the season up. I'm probably going to do it tonight when I get home. But yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, Love, Death and Robots. Check it out. Uh, quick aside, Izzy, would you ever do anything uh, animated? Like, is that is that within the realm of things you're interested in, or is that like just if someone else animates? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, to write, same to with graphic that? novels and things like that. That'd be amazing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, um, you know, sentient and yogurt, I want to pour one out for our homie Larry Cohen and just film the stuff and oh. rest in peace. Greatly missed. I I was honored to have meet have met him and interviewed him and. Um, he was, has always been a, a, an enormous inspiration. We're going to do an episode soon uh, for those listening on Cinepunks talking about Larry Cohen. But in case you don't check it out, I will yet again tell the story of having brunch with Larry Cohen and Eric Roberts. And I was starstruck by Larry Cohen. I mean, all the respect to Eric. I love him. He's great. Yeah. But Larry Cohen, I was like, why is Larry Cohen here? It's so cool. What do I do? So I finally just turned to him and I let him know that the stuff, like, was a really stuff. important move. It was a really important movie to me as a kid, yeah. and it scared the crap out of me. And he, he kind of like just didn't care. And then when my uh, lunch, my brunch came, which was sausage uh, gravy over biscuits, he said, that's scarier than anything in the stuff. Yay. And then for the rest of the brunch, he kept looking over at my breakfast and <laughs> acting like it had just scared him. It was <laughs> ridiculous. That's amazing. He's great. He or he was great. Also, and in, I love uh, his movies. In 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 deceased horror icons, Joe Pilato passed away. Yeah. Oh gosh, which That's I mean, so hard. I guess heaven just got a little more racist because yeah, he's it. the worst person in the world. Day of the Dead, but you know, he's Captain well. Rhodes. Yeah. Oh my God, he was amazing in that movie. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that like his character? 
I mean, it's a bad. It's bad in the sense of that's what it's there for. Yeah, but it's one of the standout. He really like brings something to that. Yeah, character. he's not a character like the rest of the bad guys. Like the rest of the bad guys are just like hired goons. And they're just like, <laughs> but he's like legitimately yeah, dangerous man. and scary. He's I, a I, super I, villain. I, yeah. 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 Okay, so real quick, I don't want to hold us up too much. Uh, two things I've done horror related recently. Uh, one was I finally finished the Harrow County comic book. Uh, for those who don't know, I think it's. Maybe it's John Arcudi. I'm not actually sure who wrote, wrote. I think it's a John Arcudi book, but it's a uh, it's a dark horse title. Uh, young woman finds out that uh, she's basically related to this witch. Uh, is sort of the the this witch who passed away, sort of incarnate, mm. and that this entire town that she thinks is uh, her family and her friends that they're all actually clay people that the witch made just so she could make life oh so golems yeah but oh. they, they've become real people because she was that powerful i like that. uh but they eventually feared her so much that they destroyed her so she's living with these folks who basically killed their own god because she made them and they know that she's somehow related to her and so they fear her even as they all love she's so charming that everyone loves her but underneath they're all kind of like i don't know she might turn evil any day now yeah that <laughs> happens and then it turns out she does a turn evil. I mean, this is all in the first couple issues, uh, but it turns out she has a twin, and the twin comes back, and the twin is not so good. Interesting. And then things go from there. Uh, it, it was running for a while. I thought it would go on for a long time. I don't know if it got canceled because of low sales or what, but it, I got to read the last issue, and I didn't think I would. it would bum me out that much, but it, it made me kind of sad. It was, it was a good ending, but it made me kind of sad because I... I liked it so much that I wanted yeah. more of it. Uh, and then real quick, you know, I don't like to spend too much stuff on things that I didn't love, but I checked out that movie Slice with Chance the Rapper. And, uh, you Speaking know, it's on of Amazon Pizza Prime. Horror, yeah. How was yeah. that? It's not great. It's not great. It has the bones. I bring it up because it has the bones of what could have been good, but yeah. it feels, you know what it feels like? It feels like they were had wrote, written a script for a show and they couldn't get the 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 go for a show so they made it a movie instead. oh the Mulholland Drive treatment right but Mulholland Drive is amazing masterpiece yes. and this is something that doesn't quite work uh and I and and I love Chance's music a lot I'm a big Chance fan and my man is not a great actor I'm just gonna put that out there so I think hanging that on him was it was a bad call uh that being said I also bring it up because I think the folks who made it it's still look worth looking to see if they do other things because I think there's something at its core that's interesting. It just didn't execute. And By the end, I was kind of like, "Why am I watching?" And, this? and and like we always say on the show, no matter how bad a movie is, there's still a merit to getting a movie made. Mm-hmm. That's true. I can't. I didn't. I've never gotten yeah. anything made. So it's what do I know? You extremely know? difficult. Yep. So uh, that's great. Uh, so this episode, we're actually talking about uh, two films that I think. Had you you've seen the invitation before? I had seen the invitation. Yes, I hadn't seen. So we're doing 2015's The Invitation and 2018's. Yeah, 18. You were never really here. You're welcome, Al White. Um, <laughs> I had seen The Invitation. I love that movie. I had not seen You Were Never Really Here. And and Al, a friend of the show, Al White has been begging Justin to check it out for a while. I feel mocking like. me, mocking begging, you for not checking. I it will out. not say begging. I will say he is mocking me to watch this movie. So, Izzy, you, you chose both of these. Uh, yes. uh, we'll get a chance to ask you a little bit about each one and why, uh, but we're going to take a quick break and come back. Which one are we going to do first, Justin? We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 2015's Closed Room Mystery, 
That's a good one. Is that right? I don't know. It's a term I just made up, I think. <laughs> no, you locked didn't make it room up. mystery. <laughs> well, it is locked. That's fair. Los Angeles fairy tale. <laughs> the invitation. We'll be right back. How this thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. It's kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. Bars on the windows and no. Security. Safer. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Well, Jesus. Has he been like this a lot? So agitated. How has he been handling things? He can be self-destructive. I think he's doing the best he can. Something doesn't feel safe here. We don't see you for two years, and then all of a sudden, we get invited to this lavish dinner. Don't tell me that this is normal. What do you think is happening, Will? This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. And we are back to talk about 2015's movie, The Invitation. I'll just do the I. That's good. from now on. I'm just going to read the IMDb thing instead of trying to give a summary for myself because I always fuck this up hard. Sometimes they're bad though. The IMDb ones, just saying. but that's the joy of it. It's like it's like a, you don't it's know what you're someone else get. was bad so that you can make fun exactly. of them. Exactly, it's not okay. my fault. My hands are clean. A man accepts an invitation to a dinner party hosted by his ex-wife, an unsettling affair that reopens old wounds and creates new tensions. That's. That's fair. That's actually. accurate. That's yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, starring Logan Marshall Green, Timmy Blanchard, Emma Yatsi, Coronelli, Aiden Lovecamp, Michelle Krusik, Mike Doyle, uh, Michael Holzman, and John Carroll Lynch. Can I take a second to just read this IMDb review? This is. I love Please the last. Do. The last sentence is here. Is fucking Please. great. This okay. is. This is by Lily seventy five. This is the kind of film that invites much thought during and afterward. The story leads you to constantly question what is really happening at any given moment. And wherever you are certain you know exactly what is going to happen, something new appears to make you question that. There is a powerful and intense atmosphere of dread and stress throughout, all building to a terrifying conclusion. But I was taken unaware by how emotional the whole thing would be. This is a very poignant film. The characters seem real. And the performances are excellent, especially from the lead, Lorgan Marshall Green. This film casts a very potent spell, and I can say that days later I am still thinking about it. I can't think of anything quite like it. It certainly made me feel frightened to visit California. <laughs> Isn't that I would, great? I would, 
I would. It, it's funny because one of the things that um, when I first watched this movie, um, I have a friend who lives in California, mm. who lives in L.A., yep. and she lives in in Montecito Heights, which okay. is sort of where this movie takes place. Uh, kind of. Fake. Nah. I mean, it's this is like <sighs> this is the Hollywood Hills, man. Yeah, I think that's Look, true. Hollywood Hills, Montecito Heights, Glenwood, Berkeley, Venice Beach, San Francisco. <laughs> it's all the same. No, Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento. That's hundreds of miles away. Come on. Just Boston, just it's admi- all the same. Just admit you don't know anything about I don't, California. I'm just, okay, let me, let me put it this way. <laughs> I know where San Diego is. That's the, the entirety the, of my knowledge. The look of like hilly Hollywood Hills at night reminded me of like being in Montecito Hills at night. Okay. That's fair. That's, that's, that's fair, but I, I think it's intentionally... Set where it's set, but it's just, it's, that's not important. Okay. So anyway, fine. watching this movie, there's the scene at the end with the red lanterns. Yeah. Oh, oh sure, you just sure, spoiled sure. the whole fucking movie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me a chance to do what I wanted to do. Fine. You do jumped it. in. Just do it. You jumped just in. Do it. So this is what I'm gonna say, fine. even though Justin <laughs> did it anyway. This movie is a movie that. So okay, we spoil everything on this show. Period. Right, That's what enough. we do. We, we spoil everything, and and people who listen to the show know. But let me tell you right now: if you are one of the people who listens to the show and lets us spoil everything, this is a movie that if we spoil it for you, I actually think your experience of it could be slightly less. If I spoil really? for you, brain damage. If I spoil for <laughs> you, even a classic like A Nightmare on Elm Street, I think it doesn't matter because how you get there matters. I think if I spoil this movie for you, you're still going to enjoy the movie. You should still watch it. But I think your experience won't be as good as mine was. No. When I was seriously sitting there going, this could go either way. Yeah, yeah. This could be all in his head or it could be real. And we'll get into more of the details of this. But I'm only saying it because if you're one of our many listeners who says, I don't care that they spoil it because I'll watch it anyway. It's fine. I really think before we get too deep into what happens, you should skip to the break and listen about the next movie. Because I just think... This could hurt your experience of the Let movie. Me That's just my say opinion. That this movie gave me a type of anxiety that is very specific to Los Angeles in a way that you made a joke <laughs> about Mulholland Drive earlier. That is very like dreamlike in a way that only LA can be. I there's just something about it that it only works in Los Angeles. Well, and I will say, like being where where we are at right now is so a different world than any almost anything in this movie. Yes, that 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 I could see that feeling of like this is in a different place, and that's you associate that with there with with, with that experience. Izzy, you want to tell us a little bit? You, you know, you chose this film. I mean, obviously, part of the reason you probably chose it is because it's amazing. But mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about your choice of this film and and. Um, your response, like where you first saw it and what you thought about it the first time you saw it. I first saw this film at um, the Stanley Film Festival uh, with Karen Kasama in attendance uh, way back, I want to say it was 2014 or 2015. It was before it was officially released when it was doing the festival circuit, you know, here yeah. and there. And um, I was simply just blown away by what she did in, in mostly one house with the tension, the intercutting between actors and there's several actors. And, and you would think that, you know, just shooting in a dinner scene would be easy. It's not. It is no. actually very difficult to follow everyone's eyeline, to have continuity correct, to do a whole bunch of things. Um, so I, I was so impressed on, on a technical level, but also a storytelling level with what she was able to accomplish. And um, it, it just ratcheted up 
ratchets up the dread so perfectly that it's I feel like it's a mini masterclass in in building suspense dread and tension and I feel like I I when I saw that ending with the red lanterns I got such chills that it's just it's a film I'll never forget I had already when that moment happens I had already thought we've gone so like we've gone so far and things have gotten so intense how could it get any worse? And right? seeing all those lanterns, <laughs> I thought, oh, this movie's way more upsetting. Like, it just <laughs> took it to another level. So I, I think um, for me, one of the things, and I, and I think we could talk about this, but my experience of the film it was that, um, you know, oh, there's a central question here, which is we have uh, the main character who has returned into this difficult situation with his ex and with these friends who he feels somewhat alienated from and to this house where his, you know, they lost their son and, and how horrifying that is. And, um, as the night progresses, he's the main person who feels like things are not just weird or uncomfortable. That's something nefarious is going on. Um, as I'm watching the film and that's the central question, I felt more and more like either way it's upsetting. Like if yeah. it turns out that as he's responding more and more, he's wrong and everything's fine. That's still an upsetting movie. Now I'll also say, I think the way it ends up going is way more upsetting, but yes. it's not, it's not like, Oh, it's either nothing or this scary thing. It's like, man, if this is all in his head, this is, already a taut emotional crushing drama Mm. that like makes me feel anxious on another level (laughs) and then when it makes the turn it makes it doesn't feel like a cop out or whatever it felt like oh my god we're going up even more we just ramped it up even further What, what i liked about this movie is that um it establishes pretty early on that logan marshall green's character is an unreliable narrator mm-hmm um, so we we're seeing the movie is 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 you're you're it's from it's largely from his point of view, but they established pretty early on that he might not be his the lens he is viewing things through might be a little cloudy and cracked um, because he's undergone some trauma. There's probably some unresolved tension there with his with his ex partner. Mm-hmm. Um, he feels like his relationship with his son is being erased by his wife's denial of grief, right. and I think to a slightly lesser degree, he feels that that like, I feel there is a little bit of the whole, like he's sort of like bristling at like, he's got that like alpha male, like his hackles are up that there's this other guy in his house. And even though it's like, I mean, he says in the beginning, like this was never really my house, but there's, he's also very clearly uncomfortable that like, this was our place. This was our house. And it's being erased for this fucking guy that who is, I mean, her new husband's like kind of a nice guy, you know. Like, by, I mean, he ends up not being. I mean, I'm yes. by all uh, by by all uh, by all nice. outward appearances, he's too, he's too nice. Yes, too nice. So That's the thing right. that you're watching this movie is like there there are two things going on here. We are either witnessing a man having a complete emotional and mental breakdown, which is harrowing because he's not dealing with the you know the the grief of losing a child, also harrowing, or there's a fucking murderous cult going on there. Which one of those is like the preferable outcome? Mm-hmm. And then. As it goes through, it's like the first time I watched this movie, again, like Liam said, I was like, this could go either way. And either way, it's going to be satisfying. So I got nothing to worry about because this movie's going to be fucking cool as shit no matter what happens. And I got to say, like that dinner scene when he flips out, (laughs) 
I was like, oh man, he actually is like losing his shit and this is all in his head. This is going to be really good. Like, and then when they say like, she's not breathing and he's like, no, no, she's fine. They're like, oh no, she's not. And they're like, oh, there is something else going on here. It's not all in his head. He was completely justified. They are all crazy. And then it just goes like the fucking Pandora's box is open. You know, it just goes from, I can now allow myself to enjoy this insanity because it's not, it's not this character's destruction. It's now, you know, he's right. He's validated in a way. Izzy, as someone who has to work with, uh, uh, you know, to some extent with people in uh, and around L.A. and Hollywood and who's in movies, are you ready to say that this movie is obviously about Scientology and <laughs> about Scientology right now? I don't know a lot about Scientology, but I do, I. I do know that they are very, very frightening people that you should stay away from. So <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Yeah, the parallels are there. Um, Did you see this? I mean this turn that happens were you were you surprised i mean i will say it took my breath away the first time i watched the movie was this a surprise for you and did you feel like this uh made the movie even more engaging or were you at all let down i know some folks didn't even like that it went this direction oh i thought it was fantastic um i was not entirely surprised because i wanted to to believe uh you know uh, Morgan yeah. Marshall Green's character, and I had very uh, much empathy for him. And his wife is is too perfect. She's got you know the bee stung lips, and she's got the work done, and the the body skimming dress. And I, I she's 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 also a little too happy for having lost a child. Um, right. But I also emphasize with the fact that she needed to move on and find happiness because you can't live in grief forever. It yes. destroys you. Um, so I couldn't blame her for wanting to find a way out of that, but. I'm also a realist, and so I, I did, you know, um, I, I was on, you know, uh, Logan's character a little bit more in that sense, and also I, I tend not to trust people that are too nice, because there's something beyond the surface that I don't, I can't trust, you know, if you're too nice, yeah. I, I wonder what you're hiding, so... Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't entirely surprised by but but the very the last final shot of the movie. Wow. That's that's a fucking amazing gut punch. I I think one thing upon revisiting this film that I I caught, you know, watching it know it was what was coming is I I put on Facebook about this how uh John Carroll Lynch's character who mm. I actually normally enjoy his work. I think he's a good actor. I I like the characters he portrays. Um he seems like a really cool guy in real life. Uh, his character from the moment he's on screen, <laughs> I was watching it and being like, how the fuck does no one think this guy is like creepy as shit? Right. I mean, and it's, it's nothing against him. It's just, but he, he, he does a very good job of portraying like the robotic out of place. Cause like not to, for lack of a better term, body shame him, but everyone else in this movie is beautiful, small, yeah. small you know, like. Logan Marshall Green is like a very handsome guy. His wife is beautiful. Um, the guy, the actor who was Michael Huseman, the mm-hmm. guy from The House of the Haunted Hill, great looking guy. The gay couple, they're fucking beautiful people. Everyone yeah. else in this movie is like everyone belongs gorgeous. to Hollywood Hills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, and then John Carroll Lynch. You have a in. henchman coming in with a <laughs> yes. huge physical like, presence. Oh, yeah. Did the Rid- did the Riddler let you out early? Like, <laughs> so am I alone though in thinking that part of the reason. It, I almost felt like it is the, the fact that 
he is this character that almost keep it seems so obvious to be like what's up with creepy mcgee over here <laughs> that i wonder if that's part of the reason they're unwilling to just say this guy's fucking freak it's like almost like it's like i mean i read it almost as like a class thing like he's yeah. he comes across as like not as sophisticated, let alone as intimidating. Well, and so I wonder if there's some feeling on their end of like, well, I don't want to point out that he's well, a Well, here's freak. the thing, though. Here's the thing. When they're watching that video of that woman passing, yeah. only one person really says something, but they're watching it, and everyone has these like tiny like facial tics uh, and like body language of like, we shouldn't be, this is like obscene. We shouldn't be watching sure. this. And you know, the one guy's like, oh, that was a very moving moment. So it's like, if they're all bothered by that, then... They're they're bothered by that and they're willing to like not be like, oh yeah, no, that was very nice. Thank you for showing us that. Only one person is willing to say, like, you shouldn't have fucking shown that at a dinner at a dinner party. If they're willing to cover up that for the sake of like their host's well-being, like I, I just they were like too comfortable with that guy. And it just I was watching it being like, that he's he's fuck and he's like there's like the, there's like that young girl that's there, and no one's like, well, that's two people we don't know that they haven't really because they don't really explain oh, who these people yeah, are the really skinny girl that's strung out yeah. and, and yeah. a little too loving and and, and yeah free love type shit yeah Which is, she is, sadie she was uh lindsey bird she was that was disturbing yeah, I mean, which is like... This is a, by the way, awesome performance. Oh like, my just God, unbelievably yeah. I, good. That end scene when she fucking, you're ruining everything, is like, oh, wow, I did, didn't see that. Oh, okay. Um, no, but it, it just, like, that was the thing that stuck out to me on the second viewing was his <sighs> character as just this ominous, you know, no pun intended, sort of like almost David Lynchian character just like lurking in the background like, yep, I'm here this is what's keeping this from being normal. Have fun watching the rest of this movie. It just felt like he was like a reminder of like, oh yeah, just under the surface, it's all like me and shit's about to go down. And I just couldn't shake that. And then huh. that character, I, I said something, how he's like dumbly annoying and I like kind of slept on it and thought about it because I do shit like that because I'm weird. And I think it actually works and it makes his character that much more abrasive and effective in, 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 in sort of heightening the weird um, grotesque tension of it all. I don't know. I think for me the it works only in the sense of like, I mean, I think the performance is really great, but I think it works even in the story because there's no, I don't really think that your average, I say average is that this is a thing that happens all the time, but I think that, uh, the murderous cult leader needs to put a freak with every house that this is going to happen because he can't trust that these people are actually going to just think he's, you think he sent this guy to like sort of like egg everyone on. I think every house has one of these people. Okay. (laughs) Every house has someone there who he knows if they don't go through with this. So-and-so is going to make sure something happens. A chicken for every pot, a chicken for every pot and a John Carroll Lynch for every house. That's the American (laughs) dream. (laughs) Uh, But I, I think also, Underlying this movie, and I, I'd love to hear, Izzy, what you think about this. Underlying this movie, for me, I felt like was a little bit of a criticism of the other people there. I mean, yes, our main character is an unreliable narrator, and there are moments where you're like, when it's not clear what's going on, and he's freaking out, that I'm thinking, like, the first time I saw it, I was thinking, like, man, just calm down a little bit. Or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there are parts where I feel alienated from him, but I also feel like there's almost implied this idea that these folks just aren't capable of stopping and being like, 
no, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, why are you here? Why are the doors locked? Why are we, you know what I mean? Like, well, that... when, you, when you live in Hollywood, you're willing to put up with a lot of fucking weird shit. Right. And I think over time, especially if, you know, you've been there for a while, um, your guard might go down. Of course, that depends on who you are, where you come from, what your experiences have been in right. life. Um, but that is my guess. But also, a lot of people, you know, uh, women in particular, are raised to be overly polite and accepting. Sure. And to try not to make waves or cause commotions or raise a, a red flag when they should because, you know, we are ingrained not to. Um, and, and to accommodate, you know, whatever fucking weirdness is going on in, in order not to get fucking assaulted, raped, murdered, whatever. Right. Um, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's defense mechanism. So I, you know, I, I'd love to, I would love to know how, uh, each person at that party was directed character. Right. It'd be really well, interesting I... yeah, to see. And, and and again, it's a lot easier to feel that way when you know how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. But like, I obviously identify with these people to some extent because there was a part of me that was thinking this could still work out, that everything's fine. Sure. You know what I mean? Like their response helps raise the tension because if he is wrong and everything is fine, they're the folks sort of reminding you like, this isn't that big a deal mm-hmm. so far. It turns out, to be different and so in the light of that ending i kind of look at their not reacting and think like oh come on guys like someone else should agree with him that this is all at least a little bit weird yeah. on the other hand that's just i think why the movie works so well in creating that tension because you're feeling this feeling of like i don't know maybe he's gonna have a freak out like there's right. a part of me that was like maybe this is a movie about him freaking out and yeah. doing something crazy i don't know that's what i'm saying it's like there was that sort of like delicious uncertainty to the first time i was watching this where i was like i don't know where this is going and i feel this like joyous uncertainty that like anything could happen and i'm fucking okay with that <laughs> and then it was like once I realized where it was going, I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm still with it." But man, that was there was a moment where it was like like Doctor Manhattan at the end of The Watchmen, where he's like, "I forgot the joy of being uncertain <laughs> about things." Well, like, and I think it's very good to uh, point out too that when it does take the turn, it's not just like the tension that's good. Uh, then we have the tension of oh, how are they going to get the hell out of this house? Exactly. And yeah. all of that works just as well. The ramp up is beautiful. But then as soon as we get into the, I guess, sort of uh, the violent part of what we're talking about yeah. in this film, all of that works too. Yes. It's all done very well. It's all upsetting. Mm-hmm. Nothing is light or goofy. Like everything hits in a way that. I was feeling, even on second watch, I have seen this movie before. I know what's going to happen. I'm still feeling some of that tension of like, yeah. ooh, this is very close. There's also this like weirdly touching moment when um, when Eden is dying in her ex-husband's arms mm. where they they still have this like this like really human moment of like, you know, even though we're like separated and you're with someone else and you're with someone else and the only real link between us was taken away by tragedy yeah there was this like just this real connection where it's like there's still not like love there but that basic human like i acknowledge that you 
meant the world to me and that is never going to go away. Right. And I, I just felt that was like a, like a really, I don't like a, like a subtle, but very genuine performance. And it, it that, that it didn't hit me the first time, but rewatching it, I was like, man, that really affected me on a really, uh, like a, it just got in my fucking heart. Yeah. And just watch how she's like, she's just like, stay with me. And it was just, I don't, that was just, it was just, it was nice. It was nice with a capital N. <laughs> One of the theories we've talked a bit about on this show that we have about horror is that like some of our favorite horror movies are films that take the emotional lives of their characters very seriously and that like that I mean you could make an argument that that part of the horror of this movie is the beautiful pain of being alive the the just the reality of loss yep. and the reality of that whatever uh it is he I, i'm assuming that's part of what appeals to you and, and i'm wondering as a director how important it is to you with certain kinds of stories i mean granted there are lots of horror movies i love where that's not what's going on yeah. i don't want to say it's a requirement but you know there is a certain kind of horror movie that that hums on that level that has this human humanist even aspect that actually makes the pain that much more is that something that you've tried to to deal with as a director do you like that are there other films you that appeals to you in what you know this is well, a weird question but well no it's it's a good question it's um it's the reason why i chose both the invitation and you never really hear is because they are probably horror adjacent than full-fledged balls out horror film wherein there are elements of horror but they're um, they're both thrillers that focuses focuses on you know the um, the destruction of the family unit, on grief, on losing a loved one, on the terrors of being alive and how painful that is for sure, and um, that that to me is real life horror. Um, yeah. Horror to me is a very 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 broad term, and when I explain to other people like, oh I don't like horror, what what do you think horror is? And I said, well let me tell you, we're living it right now. Okay. I, I right. appreciate that. Yeah. So I mean we 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 have covered a few things on here, but you know, we kind of talked about this when we covered Eve's Bayou, which a lot of people are mm. like, Oh, it's not a horror movie, and I'm like, oh, Yeah, it is. It's a it's a gothic story no, with a little girl you know. thinks she killed her father. That's pretty fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. I think uh for me it's actually funny. I I get why uh you were never really here feels horror adjacent to me and we can talk about that, but I think it has enough aspects in it that I don't think like we're outside what we do here. Uh, for me, the invitation, I, and I think this is partly because of how it ends and the way that it goes. It was surprising to me, the number of people who care about declaring genre things, which I just don't really care that much about. were so willing to be like, Oh, it's not a real horror movie. It's not, it's not a real horror movie. Yeah. I'm like, it ends in a, it ends in mass murder. Like yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, That's like hard. I don't, yeah. It's it to me. It's very much a horror film. It's not you know a slasher movie or it's not like a right. specific whatever. But oh man, some and, people and just I, love to be guardians of of you know this this imaginary genre and 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 I, I say imaginary genre because again to me horror is extremely broad and there's so many fucking subgenres, but. Uh, it's all home to me. So there we are. To me, I also think it's worth reminding people we genre is a term any identification of this of of 
works of art exist to help us talk about them. Mm -hmm. They don't exist because they exist as platonic forms somewhere. And we're just reaching towards this thing that exists in the universe. There is no thing called horror. Horror is a term that helps us understand various forms of art, in this case, movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, there are plenty of movies that are made and meant to be horror movies that are not horrifying at all. And I'm willing to call them horror movies because that is what they were trying to do. That's their stated goal. And then I could say, well, sorry, y'all, you didn't succeed. And then there are plenty of other movies that, you know, play with those lines and mix different things in. And I don't see how that means that we have to draw some sort of line in the sand when the line is is in a sense arbitrary. We just decided to call it this. We could have decided to call it poop poop and just be like anything that makes us feel scared is now poop poop like it could have been anything and so the idea that like oh no no we know this counts and this doesn't count is like very confusing also let's not forget that 99.9999 percent you know across the board people horror fans cannot accurately define the feeling of horror or the feeling of terror i've ranted about it so many times on this show but it's like if you ask someone like, "What is the feeling of horror?" and they're like, "Oh, the Jason Voorhees," or like, "No," you know what I mean? Like, Come on. no, 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 no. Yeah, like, but it, it's it, horror is anything that makes you feel that primordial revulsion to something that is happening. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's it, it's like I I put to you, what is more horrifying than losing a child? Mm-hmm. Like fuck your zombies yeah. and your your aliens that can take the shapes of your 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 Wilford Brimleys and your blobs and your howlings and all that shit werewolves American and otherwise. To be fair, you <laughs> love all those things. I love all those movies. Yeah. There's room but for I'm, all of it. All of it. Yeah, there's yeah. The, all those things are hard, but it's like right now, if you're like Justin, what are you more afraid of? Um, the aliens from Fire in the Sky or your <laughs> dog getting hit by a car? I'd be like, oh my god, were you fucking nuts? The aliens are firing the sky. <laughs> no, 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 no. I shouldn't have said knock on wood, knock on wood, because I don't want Coco Bean to get struck down They're by a car. Scary, yeah. They, they are. Thank you, thank you very much, Isaiah. I appreciate that. No, but it's <laughs> that movie's not scary. Whatever. People think this idea of horror is like <laughs> is, is somehow rooted in like, um, like a like a danger, you know, like an external danger when it's it can just be an inner feeling mm-hmm. uh, of, of of grief or guilt you know we kind of talked about this with 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 al's uh, starfish it's like no the girl like the that the feeling of that the characters in that movie are going through is very much a horrific feeling and likewise in this movie you have a, you have a guy you have a someone who's struggling with the loss of a child and then they're struggling with the erasure of that loss right and the alienation from their friends and all those things are fucking terrible and we're mm-hmm. not even gonna bring the suicide cult into this right so just the realization that you might not be in the place you th- like he walks into that room hoping he's got his shit together and a movie in which he just slowly realizes he doesn't have his shit together is still in and of itself pretty upsetting yeah right oh and and now and now the big old lug guy is trying to kill him <laughs> like yeah. you know so yeah i think this is a brilliant movie i'm so glad you know i'm sure we would have gotten here eventually but i'm really glad that you uh put it on our put it on our plates so to speak because it's just a tense powerful film and it really speaks to uh kusama's just I think brilliance, honestly. She yes, is. yeah, she really is. And for anyone listening that hasn't seen it and you have Netflix, it's still on Netflix, I believe. So check it out. I, I could sum this movie up in three words. White people shit. 
<laughs> this movie this movie is white people shit gone off the rails my parents used to go to dinner parties when i was a kid and i was watching this and having these like like sweating night terrors of like oh the tupperware parties and the reenactments of the big chill and all this like like wait my mom- wait, wait 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 they wouldn't reenact the big chill well here's the thing <laughs> my mom listens to the show so mom i'm sorry i love you and aunt Lori and aunt luana with all my heart but i was watching this and some of the things they were doing i was like oh my god this reminds me of being at Aunt Lou's house when I was like five years old and they'd be like drinking mimosas and being like talking about stuff like this. Like, fuck everything. I mean, of course, there was no murder involved, but it just like that. I know of that. That's what made them not fun. Yeah, that's what made them not. That's what I was like. Fuck this. Start killing each other. I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, th- this movie is like archetypical, like snooty white people shit gone horribly wrong. <laughs> that's I, I think that's fair. And I think it is. Uh, I, we've sort of said this, but I just want to say it directly. There is a bit of anxiety about where they're at, about you know being in Hollywood, being in LA, being around certain folks and whatever. And um, mixed into this question of like, how do you deal with tragedy, both with your closest people, but even with your friends that he is alienated from these folks and now he's trying to to move forward. So I don't know. I don't know how much else there is to say other than besides all these plot elements we've described i think it's worth also mentioning this movie looks amazing as well oh my the, god there's so the many cinematography is unbelievable not just the the complexity as you pointed out izzy of the dinner scene but just mm. how ha- just the camera work and the colors and the acting I thought, everything oh my gosh, everything is sublime it's just weird to me that this movie isn't already super huge so as izzy said if you've listened if you didn't listen to me and you listen to this anyway even though you haven't seen the film go watch this movie and we didn't ruin anything you're gonna love it i think it's really gonna connect so yeah it's not Uh, about the journey it's about the destination and by the way la is built on fucking anxiety so here we are yes it is exactly (laughs) (laughs) well uh we trans transition from that to a movie that I think is also uh, has a certain anxiety to it, but not the one that necessarily the one they're experiencing in LA. It's a little less subtle. <laughs> yeah, it's a we're little. We're going to go to New a, York. Yeah, we're yeah. going. We're going to go to New York. We're going to talk about um, dealing with trauma and violence of a different kind. Uh, but I think uh, in discussing uh, Lynn Ramsey's "You Were Never Really Here," we're 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 touching on some similar ground as well. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Close your eyes. Yeah! I'm gonna ask you some questions. How many are there? One guy inside the front door, second guy on the top floor. After the tone, please leave a message. It's done. A man called, and he wants to see you right away. State Senator Albert Vato. His teenage daughter's missing. What's the lead? He got an anonymous text with an address. I've heard of these places. They said you were brutal. I can be. I want you to hurt them. Can you hear me? My name is Joe. It's okay, come here. 
Close your eyes. Where are we going? Taking your dad. We are back to talk about 2018's, uh, I'll say it again, neo-noir crime thr- thriller. Do you think so? It's got elements of it. I, I don't sure. know. I'm, I, I, I think, so. okay. okay. I would say so. Yeah, it's got like the damaged, the damaged inta- protagonist. Mm-hmm. I feel like the visual style is so different. Sometimes when people say neo-noir, they're talking about also a, a, a sort of visual whatever. This feels... A little more interpretive to me than that. It, it, I don't know. We yeah. we can get into it, but it, it feels a little. It feels it feels a little more dreamlike than that. Yes, even in its super intense violence. <laughs> so, uh, you were never really here, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, directed by, written and directed by Lynn Ramsey, based on a book by Jonathan Ames. 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 Jonathan Ames. I think I don't actually know. I shouldn't correct you. I thought it was Ames, but I could be wrong. Uh, it is Ames. The, yeah. The this is. I, I love this description of this movie. A traumatized veteran, and this is the best part, unafraid of violence, <laughs> tracks down missing girls for a living. When a job spins out of control, Joe's nightmares overtake him as a conspiracy is uncovered, leading to what may be his death trip or his awakening. Goddamn right. If there was one phrase I would use to describe Joaquin Phoenix in this movie, it would fucking be unafraid of violence. Because <laughs> there's one thing this guy is good at. That's violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, Izzy, why you uh, why you chose this movie. God damn. It, it is it is it's it is underseen, it is underrated. I think Lynn Ramsey should be getting far more fucking work. Um Agree. Oh Jesus Christ. We need to talk about Kevin. It was also brilliant and beautiful and mesmerizing and insane. But I mean, I, I'm also willing to say that, you know, these films aren't for everybody. You have to pay attention, especially with this one. You know, you never really hear. If you blink, you might just miss something very important and have to go back. It asks you to pay attention in a society where we are now thriving on not paying attention in our phone constantly. And um, it, it asks you to set aside all of your, fuck, I don't know, ADD or, or I don't know what... It's just, you have to pay attention to this film. Um, it is deeply poetic in its violence, in the imaginary scenes of the main character, who is a, a deeply traumatized person from a child born and bred in violence, and then, you know, as a war veteran to what he does now, rescuing, you know, sex trafficked girls. I mean, holy shit. And, and you know, rescuing them and, and beating these fucking perpetrators to death with a ball-peen hammer. I mean... Wow, it is it is it's the vengeance that we we rarely get in real life. 
And so I have chosen it for all of those reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to uh, very much, as we get started here, agree with you. If you haven't seen Lynn Ramsey's other movies, I cannot recommend them enough. I actually love everything I've seen that she's done. Um, and uh, I would even say that part of the reason I got into not just loving movies, but feeling the need to like talk about and write about them was after seeing, we need to talk about Kevin at fantastic fest. Mm. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop. I had to text people in other parts of the country <laughs> from Austin to say, I have to tell you about this movie. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I do this. I say this a lot that my friend TC has a quote. He said to me, you know, our favorite, the, the movies we love tend not to love us back. And sure. uh, that was specifically after he watched We Need to Talk About Kevin on my recommendation. That's when he texted his first response. He texted to me. And I, it stuck with me ever since that, like, there's something about uh, a movie that is unflinching yeah. uh, in the way it tells a story. Uh, I want to point out that uh, this is an underseen movie. Uh, I will say the critical response to this movie is surprisingly mixed in that the people who love it, who I think are in the majority, really do love it. But there's a lot of people who describe the directing as cold or describe the plot as too sparse, things like that, that I don't understand. Like, let me say to you up front, like, if um, there is a conspiracy going on, it is a plot that has some twists and turns. But for me, and I don't know if this is true for, for both of you, I'd love to hear from you about this. For me, the experience of the film is not, I can't wait to solve this mystery. It's the emotional ride and the way that the visual storytelling is filling mm -hmm. me in on this and what it's making me feel deep down, which is upsetting, uh, about what's happening to and inside of this character. So the idea that I'm focused on the intricate plot like it's almost insulting to me I, I don't know i don't know what y'all think about that it's not a traditional film and it shouldn't be just as such um the the nuances and and the well very often bloody non-nuances of this character's inner life life is what is front and center here just as much as the actual present day going on um jesus i mean there's there's that scene where he's, you know, if we're talking about spoilers, he's he's saying goodbye to his mom, yep. who, you know, him and his mom, both of the survivors of violence um, from his father slash her husband, um, and they're very close. And uh, Jesus, it's, 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 you have to see the film to see how beautifully done this you know, waterborne funeral is, and and he's also saying goodbye because he can't fucking do this anymore. And then he sees this little girl who he had rescued, and now he's being set up to take the fall for by these shadowy people and the cops. You don't know what's going on, except that the governor's involved in this horrible sex trafficking fucking ring. And then he sees her also underwater as he's drowning and falling to, you know, the bottom of the lake with stones in his pocket. He sees her and he decides to release the stones and, and get up and go and try to save her. Um, there are moments like that where, I mean, wow, it it is just 
I'm almost at a loss for words as to what to say about it because it is just so fucking beautifully done. Um, and it's criminal that this film hasn't been seen more. So I just want to say uh, off the bat, um, I had said this to Liam when he had recommended this. I said it to a number of people who recommended this. When I first saw the trailer for this movie, uh, I am ashamed to say I wrote this movie off as just another, oh, cool and angry white guy is getting revenge. Sure. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? Like, that's what this movie, and I was like, I don't. I have zero interest in seeing this movie. And then I finally saw it, and I ate crow. And I, I think that one of the things that makes this movie so frightening and, and so unlike anything I've, I've seen anything else like before was we are seeing a movie about a man who is at his most dangerous because he has nothing to lose. Right. And at the same time, he wants to give up, but there's something compelling him. And there is something so frightening about a man who is unstoppable, who is compelled to do something for reasons that he can't himself explain. Cause he very clearly does not want to live. Like we see numerous times in this movie where he attempts to take his own life. He constantly fantasizes yeah. about it. He tries it numerous times. Like in the scene you just said, he tries to drown himself, but again, he's compelled to keep going. And I just think there's something that's like so fucking classically tragic about that kind of character that is so damaged and ruined, but is still like, there's still something that's like animating me to push forward and do this thing that I don't know why I'm doing it, but I have to do it. Yep. There's, it's just, it's this amazing story that's like, and it's, uh, Liam had said that people had criticized this movie for being too cold and sparse, but I think that that's sort of like, um, very utilitarian direction and, 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 and camera work really makes this movie. It, it it adds to it like it adds to the story of a man who's this this like bleak outlook on life and the way it looks it looks bleak everything about this movie looks bleak mm -hmm. and and washed out and even the scenes where they're you know he's driving through new york city at night just look very cold and harsh and sterile and it, it, it it's just and that's all on his, purpose yeah yeah that's that's what i'm saying is like th those are all very specific aesthetic choices and i i, I think for a movie that is about um emptiness and that is about uh the threat of oblivion it actually comes comes through on the other side is something like uniquely beautiful yeah and I think... I, go ahead no that that's all i was gonna say is, is just I'm, I'm 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 really glad that I, I i decided to give this movie a chance yeah me too um i think that ram ramsey she directed the shit out of this and for the criticism unbelievable yeah, yeah the criticism that it's too cold or utilitarian whatever it th there are specific actual choices why there is no music for a good part and why it's very frenetic in other parts there are very real choices and direction as to why you will see you know flashbacks suddenly of of him and his child in the closet also sucking right. into the plastic bag there are choices as to why it's you know um there's no dialogue for long structures of the film. You know, this, this character has a very deep, quiet inner rage and also um, definite suicidal tendencies. And he exists in a world where he has, again, been born and bred in violence. And he is somehow barely surviving, but also doing the only thing he knows well how to do is mm -hmm. kill and yeah. avenge and rescue, uh, just as in when he was in the military. And um, it is not an easy film to watch, and it's not an easy film to experience. It's not an easy film for the modern movie uh, goer to uh, view. 
Um, it asked the film asked a lot of you. It asked you to pay attention. It asked you to um, set aside your expectations of what this film might be in relation to other films you may have watched for the past, you know, fucking decade or your entire life even. Yeah. It is very different. And it is, again, deeply poetic in its violence. And, um, yeah, wow. I just, I really, really appreciate it for what it is. And um, I, think I, I wish I th- we had more films from her. Yes, I agree. I think um, I think it's important to point out, too, because one of the decisions that she makes a lot is that we tend to see the aftermath of violence more than we even see the violence. Yes. So, like, we see him go after someone, and then we see the result of that. Mm-hmm. But there's not as much, like, you know, ball-peed hammer meets flesh yeah. as right. you would think in a movie with this much going on. And um, I actually felt like, as the movie was ending, that there was an implicit criticism of violence in the real world. Like, here's... Mm a kid who has this violence in his childhood. Then he chooses to be a soldier and his memories of being a soldier are not the battles won and the people saved. It's things going wrong. Yeah. And then he becomes uh, a police officer, FBI agent. It's not clear, but he's in a situation as a uniform or or in this jacket where he's trying to save these uh, people who are being trafficked in a, in a tanker. And, he remembers not him saving them, but his, you know, he's haunted by these failures. And now he's still using this thing. He has this darkness. He's trying to turn it towards good. And, and even though what he's doing is very dark, he, he murders these people. He goes and he murders people. He's doing it in a scenario for an obvious good. Uh, He's saving these, these young girls. And the movie ends in a way that suggests that, um, Maybe violence is not what's going to make him feel better. Maybe life is. And yeah. that and, and it could be read as an implicit criticism of redemptive violence. Especially when like I've saw a number of people were comparing this movie to Leon, uh, which, you know, I guess it's a hitman. Two two movies with hitman and and a, and a girl. Honestly, both stylistically and content-wise. Not really similar in any other ways, no. and I think, and I think thematically, the difference is that even though as much as Leon in in that movie wants to choose a different life, in the end, he's still the most useful because he's good at killing. Yeah, right. And in this movie, as much as being good at killing helps uh, Phoenix accomplish certain things, it doesn't save his friends and family. And the moment I think that really nails home that maybe he needs something else in the world is realizing seeing this, the aftermath of this girl killing the governor and, and, and like it, he, to me, the feeling I get in that scene is this feeling of like, is she going to have to be like him? Is she going to have the haunted trauma? Is she going to choose this dark life to be disconnected from people, whatever, um, and wanting something else? And the ending suggests, the, the ending, I think, is done in such a way that very much says, we could end this the worst, we could end this with him dying. That is yeah. a way to end this movie, and that is a fine way to end the movie. But instead, we're going to have him end on hope, and it's up to you, the audience, to decide which of those endings you prefer, because they're I both that. there. yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. She said it's a beautiful day out. Let's go. It's amazing. Like, yeah. wow. Not expecting. I love, I love that in France the movie was called A Beautiful Day. I like was that. Was it? Yeah. Oh, shit. That, wow. And I thought 
I thought, oh shit, I think that might be a better. I love the title. You were never really here. Yeah. That's fine. But I kind of like a beautiful day mm. a little bit more. I don't know. It's maybe that's just my choice, but I, but I, I really appreciated that. And uh, and not to mention the fact that this is to me more proof that Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. Yes. Um, another thing I really liked about this movie is that. Uh, you know, like I said, initially I was afraid that this was going to be another white guy on a warpath movie, mm. which we don't need any more of. But what I think this really sets, what sets this movie apart from uh, other films in that stupid genre is that it doesn't romanticize the place that this guy is coming from. It doesn't, it doesn't make him out to be like, even when you watch like Death Wish, there's still that certain like, that slick sheen to like Charles Bronson's character or what's, what's another like like drive or a movie like that there's mm-hmm. there, there's there's a certain like glamour to it but this movie doesn't really portray phoenix's character as anything more than he actually is which is a broken and truly dangerous individual and there's nothing there's nothing pretty about that it's 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 dirty and it's grim and i, I think that was initially what what i really what you know early on spoke to me about this movie that it, there's no it's not very stylish. It's not hip. It's not cool. It's uh, it's a very very ugly. I mean, visually, it's 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 a very beautiful movie. But the portrayal, the character, it doesn't make him out to be this like damaged, sensitive, whatever. Who, yeah. You know, like a nice guy with a heart of gold. Like everything we've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's no badass with a heart of gold here. It's it's he's he's a he's a damaged human who is simply doing the right thing, period. And again, truly dangerous. It's it's like there were scenes when I was watching this movie where he was going after people. Where it reminded me, the, it gave me the feeling of the the scene in uh, the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they first picked the hitchhiker up, <laughs> and you're like. I don't know what this guy's gonna do. Yeah. I have no idea, what, and that's how I felt in this movie. Like there, there, there are scenes when he like grabbed the, um, the, 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 the courier outside the, uh, outside the brothel, mm-hmm. and the way he's speaking to him is so just every word is just laden with menace. But it's very like, hey man, you just tell me what's the code, Hammett. Come on, man, come on. And you're like, at any second he could start viciously beating this kid to death. Yeah, don't make me wait. Exactly. Oh, when when he when he when he punches the fucking he goes from mm-hmm. like zero to ninety when he punches the drug dealer. Yep. And I I, I I think that unpredictability and 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 just uh, ugliness really is something that's missing from a lot of these movies that seek to glorify this sort of like vigilante justice. Like this movie, this movie really shoves it in your face. Like, yo, being a vigilante might sound cool, but it will fucking kill you. Yeah. And if it doesn't, like this is this is the best you could hope for. Is this this person who's absolutely destroyed. And by the way, this is the type of person that seeks that out. Do you want to be like him? Look at Joe. Don't be like Joe. Yeah. Joe is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but I think giving us the hints of the backstory that she does also helps us understand, like, this is, in a way, the most effective he's ever been, though, at dealing with what he wants to be doing, right? Like, I, I'm sure he became a soldier because he could... Uh, you know, escape from do, home and also escape. murder and also get out any violent tendencies he might have developed. 100%, 100%. But the scene we see is of this kid, you know, with him giving the kid and the kid getting killed, sort of shows like he's always wanted to do something good while also yeah. being who he is. And this 
there's something very, I'm sure for him, as sad and broken as he is, there's probably something viscerally satisfying. He's seeing a result here that I think many, you know, people who are trying to do good things legally aren't feeling. He's the best at what he does, and what he does isn't pretty. Ah, (laughs) come on. Um, Yeah, I just think it's so effective, and I I want to go back to something you said, Izzy, that the the use of the flashbacks is very well done and helps us understand that this isn't just a narrative trope. Mm-hmm. We're experiencing something he's feeling. Like it doesn't feel like I have to show you these things so that you understand this character. It feels like I'm seeing these things because this is what he's thinking about and it's helping me feel something in this moment and pushing me forward emotionally, not just in like a narrative sense. Yeah. And these, these flashbacks are not traditionally done either. They're very abrupt jump cuts um, that are jarring and, and and sometimes so jarring that you're not really sure if um, you just saw what you saw or if you're even not sure is happening. But again, this is a film that's asking you to do some work on your own and it's not speeding it's not spoon feeding anything to you, and um, yeah, I'm I'm still just in awe of, of what I seen. I just watched it again today, I rewatched it, um, and so so fucking well done. It's unbelievable. And again, uh, I think you pointed out it's it, you know I wouldn't be offended if someone thought of this more as horror adjacent than as a traditional horror movie. Right. I will also say. Uh, a traumatized little girl eating with hands covered in the blood of her attacker. <laughs> yeah. That's a horrifying thing to watch. Sure is. It's even horrifying for our main character, who's seen a lot of shit. There's also that scene. There's also the scene where he first um, busts into the brothel. Yeah. Two thing. Two things in that. In that. In that part, he busts into the brothel and he drags that guy out and murders him in the hallway. And as he's like going to fucking cut a path of mayhem through the rest of the brothel, this little girl in like a bed in a bed like a like a like a bedrobe whatever like a a nightgown mm-hmm. just wanders out into the hallway just yeah. and it's like holy shit that girl's like nine years old yeah and it, there's just something about that scene that that is like just it, it, it's just it makes my fucking skin crawl that's because she's absolutely fucking traumatized and in shock. She, she's shot yeah. yeah and then um another like when i when I first watched this, this the, it, there's this there's this really quick, um, it's the scene when Joe and the little girl are at the hotel and they're watching TV, and you hear on the news that her father jumped to his death, and just the look of realization on Joe's death, like or on Joe's face, where he's like, "Oh fuck, we need to get out of here like right now." And then there's the knock at the door, and you're like, "Oh shit's about to go south." Like, and then it it it, it and then the quickly, cops frame him for a murder. Yeah. It's hearing Madness. that news. Hearing that news report about how her father jumped to his death, and well, he the said sort he, of he plunged. It didn't say jumps. It was like, yeah, yeah. He well, it's yeah. open to interpretation. Was he shoved? What exactly? What yeah. yeah. And just the look of fear that jumps from like her face to his face. It's like a fucking wildfire, mm-hmm. and you could tell they're both like, "We need to get the fuck out of here right now." And I just, uh, it's just, it just, just. Mwah. It's just like a like a good gravy on. <laughs> well, and I think part of the reason that this got the negative reaction from some people is that folks want this. I hate to say feel good, but in reality, feel good vengeance film, and that's not what this is. No, like this is not like a 
uh, you know, well, I saved the girl. Movie's over. Time to go. Things get real bad for him because people in power want them to go bad for him. Yeah. And yeah, he he can he can keep going and get away and murder some more people, but that he's not magic. And a lot of these movies the person for whom we want to see accomplishing vengeance or justice, however we want to skew it, mm-hmm. they're magic as well. They can both kill all the people and save all the people. And what's haunted him in his life in these things is his inability to save the people. Mm. That 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 it's it's a lot easier to hurt than it is to save. Actually. They also allude to him having called the the one thing that um there's there's the brief flashback of him in the military. And I mean brief, very, uh, the, these flashbacks aren't like, there's no narrative. It's just, they're literally just brief images where he gives, um, he gives a little kid like a, like a nutty buddy or like yeah. a, whatchamacallit, through a, through, through, like a Snickers bar through a chain link fence and then watches as someone else murders that child for that candy bar, oh, which, uh, which is, it's such a quick thing, but it's like, well, that just ripped my heart out all again. Yep. Like. I don't know. I love this movie. It, it's oh. <laughs> it's it's not an easy watch. It asks a lot of you, and yeah. I think for people for whom, you know, I mean, I guess we should admit, although it's weird if you're listening to a horror podcast, there are people who watch movies not to feel bad, who watch movies purely sure. for feel good entertainment, and you're not going to get this from this movie. This movie is not there to like make you feel good, but. Uh, but it is to me a serious work of art yeah. and yes. something that is unbelievably compelling and haunting and just really well done. So yeah. uh, I don't know much else to say about it other than like we've already covered beautifully. Like I think the editing is brilliant. I think the score is magical mm. and works in all the right ways. Yep. It's the sort of score that is there for the movie and not yes. for someone to like show off really. You know yeah. what I mean? Agreed. And, uh, and yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was also going to say, um, as a lifelong horror fan, I don't always watch movies to uh, get relief in the feel-good sense, but sometimes if I watch something that is meant to provoke or make me think or even make me hurt, it is, is a relief in, in some sense because it's, um, uh, it is, it's, it's a catharsis of some sort. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's also very, very, very human moments that you wouldn't expect in this film. Wherein, say, okay, so he's discovered the two fucking agents downstairs, or whatever they are, that have killed his mom, and he kills them both. And one of them is dying on his kitchen floor. And oh, my God. He starts singing a song that's playing on the radio because he knows he's dying. And then so our, our our lead, Joe, he decides to start singing with him. And the dying man takes his hand and, and, and holds it. And oh, my God. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. It is such a fucking human moment, no matter who yep. you are. It's like I'm tearing up right now because it's just, wow, it's so powerful, you know? And it takes a lot of it takes Brilliant. a lot of it takes a lot of goddamn courage to put a moment like that in your movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's it's yet another example of if you came here for good guy kill bad guy, guess what? That's not what this is about. And um the focus on Joe helps us get to that moment. That this is not in a lot of these movies, you want you know the character through the events of the film, but it's not 
about the character. And a lot of this film is helping us see who Joe is. And we understand the story as he understands the story. And we understand the pain as he feels the pain. And that moment makes sense because that's who he is. I mean, what reason does he have not to hold this man? The the dude is dead. He's going to die. It's such... To me, uh, a bit of a magical moment, and it—it's part of the reason why, as much as we've talked about how, in a sense, emotionally brutal this movie is in its portrayal of things, it's also beautiful and also very human. And I think there are hints throughout the film that take us into this ending where he leaves with her. Now, who knows what that means? It doesn't say, you know, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> no, know? I don't think they did. Yeah, I... <laughs> they, you know, but the. Even that moment, that's how we're going to end this story, is we're going to end this story not with him bleeding out in the diner, Mm. which is a way we could have ended the movie, Mm -hmm. and it would have been completely consistent. We're going to end it with him leaving with the girl, and, and, you know, it's it's The last line of dialogue is, it's a beautiful day. How fucking perfect Mm. is that? It's just it's it's such a it, it's 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 like the reverse of an American War from London where it goes from <laughs> beautiful and lovely to fucking Jenny Agutter crying her eyes out in an alleyway. This whole movie is just a man cutting a path of chaos across a city to destroy sex traffickers. And then the last line is a little girl saying it's going to be a beautiful day after they enjoy breakfast together. Like how fucking amazing is Specifically, that? Specifically, they enjoy three milkshakes, which yes. I love as a yes. detail, by the way. It's so like, oh, my God, thank you. Well, Yay. I don't know. I don't know what else we can say about it other than uh, if for I'm going to say on the record, uh, Al, I'm I was an asshole. <laughs> I was an asshole for not watching this. I admit it. You got me. I mean, you were more than willing to watch it, but I I definitely got the feeling that going in, you were a little like, this might be not my thing. No, I'm saying, l- like I said, I'm not going to pretend that when I first saw this trailer, I was like <laughs> making the jerk off motion, like here we go. Haven't seen this movie before, and then it was like, oh no, I. I actually haven't seen this movie. I, I actually, I actually seen haven't like seen this, yeah. this movie about a fucking destroyed human being desperately struggling to find meaning in a fucking meaningless world. Yeah. So usually, so with with both of these stories, there are female directors with white male protagonists, and that doesn't always happen. But when it does, you are probably 95% sure that it's going to be something you haven't seen before. Agreed. So, here we are. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, I think both of these directors have really shown, not just in these movies and other ones too, but based on what we're talking about today, their work is unbelievable. And if you are not clued in, now is the time to get clued in. Yeah, we're letting you in. We're opening the gates. Yes. If you're welcome. You Were Never Really Here is also available right now on Amazon Prime if you have that. So yeah. both films yeah. easily available and enjoy. Yeah. Or not you hear that? You hear that, mom? <laughs> my, my mom has Amazon Prime, which she tells me all the fucking time. <laughs> you could watch this movie. Too I don't nice. know why you would want to after this. Be scarred for life. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Izzy, hey, thanks yes. for being on the show. Thank you thanks. so much. Thanks for having was, me. Yeah. Where are you going next and with what movies and how can people see these things? Go ahead and, and tell us about what you got going on. Well, if you look me up on uh, Amazon uh, and the author pages, you can figure out which uh, what anthologies I'm in. It would be uh, the upcoming pizza anthology, Tales from the Crust, uh, the Fright into Flight, which is an all-female uh, horror anthology which focuses on flight and heart and the skies in any sense um there is um 
Jeez, it's a whole bunch of things that I can't name off the top of my head. But um, I am next going to the Chattanooga Film Festival in uh, two or three weeks with the obliteration of the chickens. It'll be my third awesome. time uh, in a row at that film festival attending, maybe my fourth uh, playing, I think. And um, it's an amazing film festival. They have a lot of really good food, really good movies. They're bringing in Crispin, Blugger, uh, Crispin <laughs> Glover this year. Uh See Robert Cargill as well. He's a great screenwriter and author. Um, a number of other filmmakers as well. They'll also have the Hell Satan Dog. They'll also be playing uh, this really great movie called Freaks, which stars uh, Emile Hirsch and uh, Bruce Stern. Uh, that's really, really, really great. Reminds me of like old school Amblin Entertainment, but for a new generation, sort of like Stranger Things meets X Men with a little bit of horror in there. All right. Really well, really well done. Um, so yeah, Chattanooga Film Festival. I'll be at soon. Um, I have a new. My second short film of the year is called Rehome, and that will probably have its world premiere at the Portland Horror Film Festival. We're still on the post, uh, but we are accepted, so that is probably where it will premiere. And that um, that stars Gigi Saw Guerrero who is not just an actor, but a director herself, who's fucking amazing. And she is in post right now for uh, one of her uh, latest projects, which is Hulu's Into the Dark slash Blumhouse series uh, about Independence Day. And, oh, uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, also stars Morgan Peter Brown and Casey Lansdale. Um, and uh, that is about... Uh, you know, it assumes the border wall has been completed and there are people taking advantage of the disadvantaged and it also assumes that it's too expensive for most people to live and exist and that loved ones have to be rehomed like pets and these uh, these institutions are privatized and yeah, of course, it is a disaster. So. Wow. <laughs> that that all sounds awesome. I I also want to plug Chattanooga Film Festival. I've done some remote coverage of that fest in the past, and um, I think someday we're gonna try to go like as a crew down for Cinepunks. But it's all about planning and money. So yeah, one yeah. I I don't I think this one's a little not it, it, it my schedule kind of filled up and everyone's schedule, but I think we're gonna try to go next year just because you know having seen it. And uh, seeing the uh, the lineup every year, it, it it always seems like a good time. It's awesome, uh, and it's 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 and it's you know I want to recommend to people, you know, try to get out to some of these. I, I mean, don't be wrong. If you can go to Toronto, great, awesome, go. If you can go even to like Fantastic Fest, go. But some people, they're always like these fests. They're you know they seem impossible to get to i think a smaller fest like chattanooga Mm -hmm. the lineup is still amazing but financially it's within your reach it's a lot easier to do whereas for some folk getting you know to another country or even getting to austin which you know if you're from philly austin is feels like another country honestly so you know uh (laughs) i i think you know that can be intimidating try to find one you know like chattanooga or find look for something near you there's so many smaller fests that people don't even know are happening uh, near them that, you know, maybe the lineup isn't as stellar as Chattanooga, but you're probably going to see something that uh, you've never seen before and it's worth checking it out and, and giving it a chance. So, uh, 
Hey, uh, where can people... Uh, do you want people to find you on social media? And if so, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll start with my website, which is nilenoctem.com, which is N-I-H-I-L-N-O-C-T-E-M.com. Or you can just Google Izzy Lee Filmmaker. It's probably easier. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also on Facebook, same thing, and Twitter, and uh, Instagram, things like that. So, yeah, come say hi. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, check out uh, Izzy, both her writing and her filmmaking, whatever, any way you can. Check out both of these films and other films by these uh, directors because they're really great. And uh, please tell people about the show. Uh, check out our Patreon and uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all the stuff that podcasts like us really appreciate. Yeah, if you're not already following us on Twitter, we're at the Harbiz six six six. And we're on Instagram under the same name. If you want to email us a question, complaint, threat, suggestion, whatever, uh, theharbiz at Gmail. Uh, and yeah, like Liam said, go check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, a nice one, a sincere one. Don't make shit up. Just be fucking honest. <laughs> and we will read it. Um, and yeah, until next time, remember, Ruggiero Diodato actually killed people in Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs>